You are now about to witness the strength of Raider Nation. Hey, what's up, Raider Nation, and anybody else listening? This is New Era Nation Podcast, Episode 9. Welcome in as we head into Week 4, preparing for the game against the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis. Right now, Raiders sitting at 1-2, and two, um, ready to face a tough Indianapolis Colts team. Let's not underestimate these guys. We, should ne- we shouldn't even be thinking about looking past them. Anyways... I can't even look past the Arizona Cardinals right now for that play. The nation lately on social media has been poisonous, venomous, and I'm just as guilty as anyone else. It's hard out there. It's hard to stay positive all the time. And those of you that have that patience and, and endless positivity, uh, I'm envious. And that's a quality that I wish I had, but I don't. Right here, um, if something ain't going right, I'm going to speak it. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to be as honest as possible. At the same time, also being realistically optimistic. Okay, so you guys know how the pod goes. We'll jump into subject, preview, the team, whatever, and then that path will lead where it leads. Um, I hope you all like it. Try to put some comedy a little bit in the show. Keep it light as possible while I am screaming into the mic about how horrible the play is. And that's just how I'm going to do the pod. That's that's how I want to do it. That's how I know how to do it. Even though I've never done a pod before, if that all makes sense. I got my vision. That's how it's going to go. And if you don't like the pod, um, keep listening until you do. All right, let's get started. Let's go ahead and jump into this preview with the Indianapolis Colts. Week 4, uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. Well, the biggest obvious thing is no Andrew Luck. He retired her at the beginning of the year. And the shock of that's pretty much worn off. And what we see is we still have a pretty damn solid Indianapolis Colts team without Andrew Luck. I'm not concerned about Andrew Luck. My main concern is Frank Reich. Andrew Luck didn't turn this thing around and bring the Colts back to their winning ways. No, that was Frank Reich. That coincided with Frank Reich's arrival. And also GM Chris Ballard, now in his third year. They've done a phenomenal job. I can always appreciate a good job by the GM and coach. So you still have a really damn good Colts team without Andrew Luck. And what we've seen from this Colts team, they want to be physical. They want to run the football. They want to be real physical when they do it. Uh, And they don't just run a certain zone scheme or power scheme. They run, the Colts run every run play in the playbook. They run counters, traps sweeps outside zones power gap power plays they run every single running play and they're very efficient at it they can hit you with anything in the running game oh and of course rpos frank reich is a brilliant offensive coordinator calling the plays when he left philadelphia that was a a major blow more major than a lot of people are making it out to be more major than a lot of people think I think if he was still there, they might have had a chance to get another Super Bowl. And how lucky are the Colts? I mean, first Peyton Manning, then right after his career is over, Andrew Luck. A little bit of, you know, unluckiness in that he retires at 29. But then you're set to hire Josh McDaniels as head coach. Very uninspiring. He backs out at the last second. 
and then Frank Reich is hired as head coach. This couldn't have worked out any better for the Indianapolis Colts. So congrats to them, you know. Sometimes you need the ball bouncing your way every single damn time. So that running game does worry me. Uh, the physical O-line worries me wearing down our run D. And I think we have a strong, fundamentally sound run D this year. But uh, the talent is not quite there. Not quite there. And when an explosive back like Dalvin Cook, um, there's no doubt he's explosive. Marlon Mack brings something different to the table. He brings, you know, physicality. He's more of a Josh Jacobs type. So I am hoping that the defense will be able to key on him and bring him down, and he's not going to smash through and wear down the D. He is still a load to bring down regardless. And Andrew Luck may be gone, but they have more than a capable starter in Jacoby Brissett, the number one backup in the league. Having him and Frank Reich helps mitigate the loss of Andrew Luck. So far this season, uh, Jacoby Brissett has been very efficient. I'm not surprised. He can move around in the pocket, he can buy time, and he can make plays in the chaos. And he spreads it around. 19 different receivers so far this year. So the fact that T.Y. Hilton isn't playing doesn't really, you know, it helps. But he's spreading the ball around to different receivers, not just T.Y. Hilton. So the Colts have the ability to get very methodical, put together some long drives. Defense is going to have to hold up. Hopefully they can stop Mack on first and second down, putting him in third and long. And once there, need to get to Brissett and bring him down. Don't let him out of your grasp. No escapees. Like I said, it's one of the toughest, most physical lines we're going against. But the team and defense especially must show improvement starting this week. The problems on defense cannot just be an open wound. All the veterans on the roster have been talking about accountability on defense. We hear Gruden talking about playing a full 60 minutes. So against Indianapolis, I expect this team to be focused and play basically mistake-free football. And on offense, it's going to fall in that run game and relying on Derek Carr. And we've all gone off about Derek Carr. Um, <laughs> Raider Nation, this is a subject that, that has the nation divided. And you can stay positive all you want. But there's no doubting what we see out there from Carr. The, you know, being frightened in the pocket. Scared. Skittish. Spooked. Losing his hair. Down on his luck. Perhaps too fat for his age. Whatever you want to call it, there's no denying what the eyes see. And even announcers saying that he looks scared in there and frightened from the blitz. Mike Zimmer saying he's frightened of our blitz. I don't care about the accuracy. At this point, I don't care about the accuracy. The, you know, reading the proper routes. I care about you standing tall in that damn pocket. Right now, Raider fans are only going to care about our quarterback not being scared in that pocket and standing tall and making the throw in the face of a blitz or pressure. Making the proper throw, not a panicked rush decision that turns into an interception. All that being said, I think Derek Carr will work it out. He needs to work it out, and I think he will. He's talking calmly about how he's not worried about it and that things will come together, which is a good sign, but I wish he was that calm in the pocket while he's talking on the podium about how he's not worried. Transfer that calmness to the pocket. And right now, to make things easier on Carr, which we need to do as much as possible, is the run game. You need to pound that 
run game, really dedicate to it, and let's get it going. And off of that will come the play action and things that will make Derek Carr's life easier. they got to focus on the run game and, and those kind of things. It will take the heat off Carr. If all the focus is on J- Josh Jacobs, even on a play action, Carr is going to have a lot of time. But none of this happens without establishing a successful run game. So that's got to be job one. If it doesn't happen, and we, you know what's, you know what will happen, we'll go into third and longs, and incompletions, and three and outs, and being down seven nothing, ten nothing, seventeen nothing, twenty nothing, on and on and on. So screw second half stats, and recovering to have a, a decent passer rating. We need you to play like a top quarterback when the game's still on the line, while there's still hope. For the entire team. Now when you're down 31 to 7. Now I hope the offense continues to develop. It doesn't have to be a high powered, you know, 50 yard bomb down the field offense scoring three seconds. But it can still be a good offense in, in its own way with the personnel we have. But in this game, if this run game doesn't get started, it's not gonna work. Raider Nation expects a victory in Indianapolis on Sunday. Is that a realistic expectation? Let's zoom back a little bit at the whole picture. John Gruden, head coach in his second year. Uh, General manager Mike Mayock just completed his first draft, his first offseason. 30 new players on the roster. Several rookies either starting or contributing. That tells you right there that there's going to be growing pains. That's, That's the logical, realistic view on it. And although he's savior in year two, when you have a roster turnover, 30 players, that's not really a year two thing. It's kind of in between year one and two, maybe year 1.5, I'd say. They're not quite year two in the system. And we are three games in. And as I've said before, the team has no choice but to improve. As they learn and get the experience together, they will get better. It's a long season. We get one game a week. But I believe we're going to start seeing improvement as this team gets better. And we're one and two. Three games in. Three games. One and two. People want to act like we're one and twelve. Now when we're there, yes, hit the panic button, go off, whatever. But we're not. We beat a Broncos team that it's apparent we should have beat. And we lost to a Chiefs team and Vikings team. The Chiefs, who are at minimum top three in the AFC, top probably top two or even possibly number one and the Vikings who are top three in the NFC these are top notch top tier teams and they crushed us because we're not on that level yet do we have the horses on the roster to compete honestly no we don't realistically it's obvious we do not have that right now it's going to take two three years of core building through the draft and free agency to build this team up and that's the honest reality of it If you are successfully adding good talent each and every year, there'll be less roster turnover. There will be less roster turnover and more continuity on the roster. And every little bit helps, like hitting on undrafted players. You know, having a guy that come in on the defensive line that was undrafted and contribute. You know, those are excellent things that help grow your roster. We had a lineman who's very productive, who's undrafted. And would have helped this line out a lot. Oh, but we cut him, and now he plays for the Indianapolis Colts. And he has four and a half sacks on the season already. Of course, I'm talking about Danico Autry. That's another factor in there. 
I'm sure he's going to have a little something extra for the team that cut him now that he's having so much success. And that's just, you know, latest of many complaints from Raider Nation. Check down Carr. Let's let's get rid of Carr, get Kaepernick. This team getting dominated by dominant teams. Fire Gruden, he sucks. He's lost it. He don't know what he's doing. Let's start over. Fire everyone. Uh, let's draft a QB. These are all reactionary statements uh, from the passion of, of Raider Nation. But we all know deep down, getting a couple days or, or day to think on it, that it's absolutely ridiculous ideas to fix the team. We all understand that, right? We have to stay the course, be patient. Uh, it's going to get better. So have faith. Oh, a little observation about the receivers. We'll be going into the game with Tyrell Williams, number one, J.J. Nelson, and Hunter Renfro. And the fourth receiver, well, that's going to be between Keelan Doss and the kick returner, Trevor Davis. It's a pretty thin receiving core. I'm going to talk about the depth and, and of the core. This is what we're talking about. This is one of the areas that, need, that needs depth. So what we have is a good tight end group, a good tight end room, of course, with Darren Waller. And behind him, Derek Carrier and Justin Moreau can do a very good job in these backup roles. I believe we're going to have to use the best personnel we have, which will be a lot of tight two tight end groupings uh, in this game. And that's fine. You you work with what you got, the best you have. And that's how a coach you know, should handle his roster. You can't pigeonhole what you don't have into a system. You have to work with what you got. So I expect a lot of two tight end groupings. And um, that you can have very much success with that. The Patriots did it years ago with, uh, you know, Rob Gronkowski and a guy they drafted who murdered a bunch of people. And they were very successful with this, you know, with this two tight end offense. Now, do we have Gronkowski or uh, the serial killer? No, we don't. But Darren Waller's pretty good. And Derek Carrier is a serviceable number, too. So that kind of offense would naturally lead towards the run game anyway. And then you bring Brandon Parker in there as a third tight end. Let's go. Let's smash him. You know, thinking about the Patriots and drafting a, you know, a murderer at tight end, they were able to recover from that and win, what, three, four, seven, eighteen more Super Bowls after that fact? This is the kind of organization we we're trying to build. Unfortunately, they are the standard. And we're able to drop that guy, top tier tight end, and keep on, you know, keep on trucking. Another things that Gruden and Mayock want to do to get this organization, this franchise, on that level, and they're working towards that. And let's also look at the Colts. I mean, to talk about them now. Oh, so much respect, such a great organization. It wasn't that long ago they were the dregs of the NFL as well. Before Chris Ballard and uh, Frank Reich were hired. There's Ryan Grixon running a clown show for Donald Ursay, the owner. Drafting garbage around Andrew Luck, not building a good team. Putting Andrew Luck's career in jeopardy, which led to his retirement now at 29. He's always injured, always getting, and always getting crushed by defenses because the GM wouldn't draft him some offensive lineman to help protect him. And then when they made it to the AFC Championship game, they decided to hang an AFC South Champions banner. And then the owner gets arrested for having a bag, a giant bag full of 
illegal pills, like thirty, fifty thousand dollars worth of pills. Um, our owner may have a funny haircut, but he doesn't act like that. Dude is very smart, and he probably has that look, just so people can underestimate him. Dude is Machiavellian. When he first showed up, other owners thought they could punk him and do whatever with him, laugh at him, laugh at his funny haircut. I don't think there's a single owner laughing at Mark Davis now. Since he's inherited the team, all he's done is take the Raiders from $700 million worth to $2.5 billion, got the new stadium I've been waiting my whole life for, and no, we couldn't get it done in Oakland because the Oakland politicians are fucking <laughs> But he's able to get something done in Vegas, which nobody expected, and he did it on his own. He found someone to work with, Adelson, and that's how he got it done. Under Davis's, Mark Davis's watch, been able to get one winning season in, turn the salary cap around, become responsible with contracts and signing free agents. Gone are the days of you being old and washed up and getting a mega, one last mega contract from Alf Davis to basically kick up your feet in semi-retirement like you're in Miami or something. We go ahead and call that the Warren Sapp. Or the fat, worthless sack of crap stealing money and uh, assaulting hookers. So, uh, where are we? I told you guys, we start previewing the Colts and the road leads where it leads. All of a sudden, we're talking about uh, Warren Sapp assaulting hookers. Okay, so expect a better performance from this team this week. We got Gruden talking about playing the full 60 minutes. The vet's in there saying they got to straighten this out. Carr saying he's not worried, which tells me he's got he's going to be prepared to play. So I'm going to go ahead and expect uh, a major improvement from this team. And I'm going to go ahead and trust in Gruden. Feels like a lot of you only know Gruden from the booth and beating the Raiders in the Super Bowl with a team that wasn't his. Even though the coach whose team it was couldn't win with his own team. So that makes no sense. That's stupid. But I want to head back to 1998, Gruden's first time around. Well, let's all try to remember that. And if you can't, I'm here to remind you. So year's 1997, Joe Bugle's the head coach, and the Raiders are 4-12. and uh, At the time, I did not like Joe Bugle. Well, it's obvious why. The guy was never given a head coaching job, and of course, as Al Davis gave him his first head coaching job, which turned out would also be his last head coaching job because the Raiders would finish at 4-12, and and I don't even know how they got four victories. But there's one highlight from the season, and it was a big major highlight. I think it was week 13 or so Broncos coming into town undefeated on their way to another Super Bowl 13 and 0 undefeated they were coming in the black hole thinking they were going to roll right over the Raiders but instead were treated to the Napoleon Kaufman show he burned off a big like 80 yard run right off the bat two of them and got the Raiders going and eventually win that game I think 27-22 Joe Bugle would walk off the uh, sideline uh, one of his prayer, one of his players would give him a mile high salute. And Joe Bugle gave him a mile high salute back. It was the one great moment in that season. So out with Joe Bugle, and in with a young, talented offensive mind, who Al Davis interviewed and picked to be the next head coach of the Oakland Raiders, John Gruden. John Gruden turned a four and twelve team into an eight and eight team. And let's not forget, 
his quarterback room at the time. Jeff George, Donald Hollis, and Wade Wilson. Uh, 58-year-old Wade Wilson. And in John Gruden's second year, he would find the perfect John Gruden quarterback, Rich Gannon. He would sign as a free agent coming from the Kansas City Chiefs. And in that second year, the Raiders would again go 8-8. Eight and eight. Now, if you weren't there or you don't know much about the situation, 8-8 eight eight first year, Rich Gannon comes, 8-8 eight eight second year. So what? What's the difference? But you have to look deeper, and these are the kind of things I'm talking about. This 8-8 eight eight was a little different in, in the fact that all eight of their losses were by one score or less. So they gave confidence going into the next season. In season three, the Oakland Raiders would come through, would reach a record of 12-4 and four and first place in the AFC West. And also make it to the AFC Championship game, which they hosted, uh, unfortunately, versus the Baltimore Ravens and that fat pig, Tony Saragusa. Yeah, I know Tony Saragusa could grab me with one hand, roll me over, and crush me. But that doesn't change the fact that you're still a fat, disgusting, smelly pig. Go have a heart attack if you're still alive. I'm sure you're at least five, six, seven hundred pounds by now. Anyway, Raiders lost the AFC Championship game uh, to the Baltimore Ravens, 16-3. It was a tough game to begin with. A big play to Shannon Sharp, who's in that... Uh, He's another person that nobody on earth can stand. Nobody likes Shannon Sharp. This I know for a fact. But anyway, the Raiders couldn't get nothing going. And a loss to the eventual Super Bowl champs with one of the most dominating defenses ever put on a football field. So, okay. Year two, 10-6, back in the playoffs, make it to the second round to face the New England Patriots. And this is when Tom Brady first uh, started leading the team for an injured Drew, uh, Drew something, Drew Bledsoe. That's it. And the Raiders had this team beat on the ropes. The only team in the in the era of the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick era that had that team beat and were absolutely cheated. Had them beat in New England in the snow and were absolutely cheated from that victory that they earned and deserved. I jumped back and said, "Can you believe this motherfucking shit?" And, of course, Patriots would go on to win a Super Bowl and start a dynasty basically off a, you know, off a sham. They shouldn't even have been there. And this is much like the Pittsburgh Steelers dynasty that got started with a Franco Harris catch in 1970-whatever-the-hell it was that we all know hit the ground. We didn't have the technology back then, but I'm sure it hit the ground. Those refs were half drunk and uh, in the pocket of the Steelers, so course they you know screw the Raiders as usual all right so where are we at we got enough for a full podcast yet told you we start one big rabbit hole at the top by the time we get to the bottom we're all over the place so that's my thoughts on John Gruden I witnessed it I believed in the guy at the time I believe in him now and no it's not the same start as last time you know there's different factors in it so let's not be myopic and how we're viewing this guy and this team. There is hope for this team, and we just need to see improvement, like the 8-8 eight and 8-8 eight and, eight and eight. see back-to-back seasons, right? One 8-8 eight and eight's different from the other. we got to look closer into the details. I think things will improve. Remember, three games in, three. So that's my thoughts on John Gruden. 
And after all said and after all is said and done, I think this football team is going to be fine. And that's going to begin with some fearlessness in the pocket. Don't show no weakness. We can see this the jitteriness, the frightened look from our quarterback from the TV, from the stands. You think those defensive line linemen can't smell it, can't see it? You think that head coach on the sideline isn't isn't giggling his ass off because he knows a quarterback's scared? Come on, man. Those things need to improve. And I'm looking for that damn improvement starting this week against the Indianapolis Colts. Last week, a lot of things went sideways, and we couldn't make adjustments to fix them. You know, basically the entire linebacking core going out. Um, we couldn't make an adjustment on that for guys to fill in because we don't have the depth. A lot of things went wrong last week, and it was just downhill after that. And I'd almost think the Raiders, you know, I guess in my biased Raider review, I think the Raiders can beat this team. I think they can come away with a victory in Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Jesus. The human torch was denied a bank loan. In my unbiased view, the Colts control the game on both sides of the ball. Derek Carr continues to dance around, you know, have dancing feet in the pocket and wince in the face of pressure. God, man. And we lose. The spread is six and a half, and the Colts cover it by at least seven points, winning by at least a touchdown. And that is a bad scenario. I wouldn't say worst-case scenario. I guess we could lose by 20 points, you know, and game be over by halftime. That's worst-case scenario. But what I'm saying is, at the very least, I'm expecting that. Keep it close. Stay within a score, at the very least. And uh, you know, just hope we can get an outright win if things break right. If everyone's playing at their best, not creating penalties. And that's the other thing with the penalties. Gruden needs to get that under control. Too many stupid penalties like the Raiders of old. When Gruden was in charge before, the Raiders were a very disciplined team, one of the top teams in committing pen- not committing penalties in the league. And I'm looking forward to him building towards that. Mistakes last week, those personal fouls, those defensive holdings, they continued third downs that let the offenses stay on the field and eventually score. Minnesota wouldn't have scored on that first drive, everybody. They were on a three-and-out path. If, on third down, Garyon Conley didn't commit a stupid penalty, they would have been three-and-out. This penalty nonsense needs to end. I think Gruden's going to get on top of it, and this team will get back to being a disciplined football team like it was under him during his first time around. And we need that as much as possible because we know how these refs are. It's very clear the bias treatment towards the Raiders. The refs will let... The other team get away with the same thing that they'll punish the Raiders for. It's ridiculous and stupid. Uh, all refs should burn in hell. But we, it's something we have to deal with as a team for the rest of our lives, it seems. And that's about all I got. So let's get ready, Raider Nation. Let's get ready to face this Colts team in Indy. Let's get ready to show what we're about once again. Let's get ready to back this team. Let's get ready to crush these Colts. Bitch and complain all you want. Even say stupid shit like you want Kaepernick as quarterback. But you better be there on Sunday rooting for this football team. And I'll be with you all. I'll see you all 10 a.m. sharp. 
because there is only one nation, baby. Let's keep it silver and black. And let's go, nation. Let's go, baby. I'll see you guys next time.